MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is The Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the above. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Dan Zaborski. He does a great job over at Fangraphs. We're going to be chatting with him about what he's been making about the Yankees' historic start to the season. And at the time we were recording, they were at 50 wins. They wound up getting the job done last night, so they're now at 51. I'm going to ask him about the NL Central race as well with the Cardinals and the Brewers entering into Wednesday all even up because I think that there's a lot of value on the St. Louis Cardinals right now. We're also going to be looking at teams and players that you think might be doing for a little bit of progression, regression, some of the surprises of this early season thus far. So we're going to be chatting with Dan in the second segment. Then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in, first one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so it's per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Five that five star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Wednesday, including some implosions that may not have went my way. So we're going to take a look back at those, try to find some trends, and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We'll get to the bad in a few minutes, but how about if we look at the good first? Shoy Otani. 
He gives up two hits and punches out 13 and 8 innings against the Kansas City Royals. 5 to 0. LA, they are able to get the job done. This was just so much fun to be able to take a look at Otani and all that he was able to do. On the flip side for Daniel Lynch, gave up one run in four and two thirds innings. Problem was, couldn't deliver a lot of length because he gave up five walks. From there, Amir Garrett, who's been terrible this year, now has a 702 ERA. He gives up two runs in two thirds of an inning. You wound up having two runs in an inning surrendered by Foster Griffin. You were able to get one and two-thirds inning scoreless out of Daniel Magnin along Taylor Clark, but not a great day for the Kansas City Royals and for the LA Angels. You did wind up having, in this game, Luis Ranjifo be able to drive in a couple runs, and I don't know if it was the MLB debut or just one of the first games in general for David McKinnon, but he was able to get a pair of RBI as well, so solid performance there from the LA Angels. Solid performance from the Seattle Mariners. They shut out the Oakland A's 9-0, and for Oakland, right now, their top hitter in terms of batting average among guys that have seen at least 30 at-bats Chad Pinder at 244. This is just sad. They weren't able to generate anything. And Paul Blackburn, he walked the plank to a terrible start. Seven runs given up in four innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for Seattle. Cal Raleigh, ninth home run season. And Jesse Winker is sixth. So a struggling Seattle offense has been able to get online here. From there, Domingo Tapia gives up two runs in two and a third innings. Lou Trevino gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Sheldon Noisy, position player, was able to deliver a scoreless setting. And Ozzie Pruitt, scoreless setting as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, George Kirby, six scoreless settings. Another good start from the young rookie, 312 ERA. He has been solid. Pam Murphy, a scoreless setting. And Dummy Malone was able to come in. He blended a pair of scoreless settings as well. The league's top team in terms of record, the New York Yankees. They come back to be able to take down the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 5-4. to four. They wind up getting down 3-0 to zero early in this game, but Aaron Judge had a pair of homers to be able to power the team to victory. 26th and 27th home runs of the season. Went deep off of Shane Boz and Colin Pooch, and then Ralph Garza Jr. Allows one to Jose Trevino. Sixth home run season for Garza. Gives up two runs in two innings. He takes the loss to Shane Boz. Not the length that they were looking for, but a solid start. Gives up a home run to Judge in his four and two-thirds innings of work. Brooks Raley, Jason Adam were both able to give you an out of the bullpen. Calvin Fotcher gives up an under run in his two-thirds of an inning. Kyle Pooch gave up the other home run in his two-thirds of an inning with Ryan Thompson giving it out of the bullpen as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Isaac Paredes now with four home runs in his last two games. Gets his ninth of the season off of Jordan Montgomery and Vidal Brujan was able to get a second home run season off of Montgomery as well. Not a great start here for Mr. Montgomery. Four runs given up in six innings, but this Yankees team second in the league in bullpen area. Clark Schmidt, Michael King, Clay Holmes go to work. They all deliver scoreless things. The team with the top bullpen area out there in the big leagues, that'd be the Houston Astros. And they utilize that to help those of you guys with an under either get a push or get that under. 5-3 to three, the final is one. Carlos Cookie Carrasco got destroyed as the Astros put up all five of their runs in the first three innings. Got him some as he wanted getting seven outs. Gave up five runs, including three bombs going deep for Houston. Jordan Alvarez twice, 20th and 21st home runs of the season. Alex Bregman is eighth in. For Luis Garcia, not necessarily the world's greatest start. He gives up three runs in five innings as well. But Ryan Sanic, Hector Neres, Rafael Montero, along with Ryan Presley, all give you a scoreless setting in. To the credit of the Mets' bullpen, they wound up getting some very good performances here as Tommy Hunter, Johan Lopez combined for four scoreless innings, and then Joey Rodriguez and Edwin Diaz. They combined to be able to give you five outs out of the bullpen as Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte was able to get a double in this one for the Mets as well. The Toronto Blue Jays 
really stuck it to Lucas Giolito in this one. 9-5, to five, the Blue Jays. Enter, they probably wound up getting robbed of a win. Anyone that was on the under and the money line of the Blue Jays, much like myself on Tuesday, were salty about that, but they were able to get revenge. And for Lucas Giolito, he's now given up at least four total runs in each out of his last five starts. Velocity was down. Gives up seven runs in five innings, including a pair of homers. By the way, Velocity was down about two miles per hour from his previous start, in case you were wondering, but gave up home run to Bo Bichette, 11th home run season, and Alejandro Kirk, his eighth. And then after that, Teoscar Hernandez will go deep off of Matt Foster for his seventh home run season. Foster gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings to Tanner Banks. will get seven outside the bullpen without allowing a run, but even though the Blue Jays' bullpen wasn't necessarily so great, Ross Stripling was giving up one run in six innings from there. Adam Simber gives up three runs in a third of an inning. David Phelps gives up a run in his inning. Trent Thornton, Tim Meza, they clean up the final five outs of the game, and for the Blue Jays, they have now scored four-plus runs in, I believe now, eight out of their last ten games, so they've been solid on offense. The Philadelphia Phillies, not having a good time out there in Texas. They wind up losing to the Rangers by a count of 4-2. And the Rangers, they're two games away from being 500. For Kyle Schwarber, he had the main form of offense for the Phillies in this game. 19th home run the campaign. That comes off of 55 shades of John Gray. He lost that home run, two runs a total in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Dennis Santana, Joe Barlow, both give you a scoreless setting, and Matt Moore, he was able to give you more. Four outs out of the bullpen, and for the Texas Rangers, they did a good job of getting to Zach Wheeler, who was hurt by Reese Hoskins fielding error. Only goes four and a third innings, giving up four runs, two of which were earned at three walks, a little bit uncharacteristic of him. And hey, Billy's bullpen, if you wound up having the under, they helped you out. Craig Knable, Jose Alvarado, along with Connor Brogdon, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Andrew Bellotti was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Madison Bumgarner, not necessarily looking so great for the years, and the Diamondbacks, 10-4, the San Diego Padres completely own them. They are the Padres, so they are the dad of Madison Bumgarner at this point, who lost six runs, four of which were earned to a team that was playing without Manny Machado. That was not great. Luke Weaver has to come in in relief from there. He gives up two runs in an inning. Caleb Smith gives up two runs in his two innings of work, including a home run before J.B. Wendelkin holds on the fourth, delivers a scoreless inning. Jorge Alfaro wanting that home run, his sixth of the campaign as Jose Azucar was able to get a double and a triple in this game, so he wasn't able to quite get the cycle. He needed a home run for that, but Mike Clevenger, not a lot of length, but not bad. Gives up a solo home run over the course of his four innings of work as you were able to have Alec Thomas go deep for his sixth home run season. Christian Walker will go deep off of Nick Martinez a little bit later as they pretty much piggybacked off of one another as Martinez. He gives up two runs, one of which was earned in three, two-thirds innings, giving up that home run. And Adrian Motahone, a former starter, unearned run, give it up in four outs for him. So the Padres, all of a sudden, they are looking at a record of 44-27, and 27, and they're towards the top of the NL West. And right now, finding themselves tied with the NL West lead with them. That'll be the LA Dodgers. They handed to the Cincinnati Reds 8-4. Cincinnati was on to a 3-0 lead, and then they were on to their bullpen, which is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA, just completely not doing a great job as you wound up having Joel Kuno give up three runs in an inning. Ross Weiler, he gives up a run in an inning. Art Warren, Darty Moretta, both give you a scoreless inning, but Three out of the four bullpen pieces for Cincinnati that came in, left with an ERA above five, and Luis Castillo wasn't great himself, giving up four runs over the course of five innings for the Cincinnati Reds. You did have Alberto Mora Jr. go deep off of Tyler Anderson, fifth home run season as Anderson. Not a great start here. Five innings pitch. He gives up four runs, three of which are earned, including that homer, but for the Dodgers, they've got a relatively solid bullpen with guys that don't necessarily have big names stepping up. Alex Vizia, Yancy Almonte, 
Danny Hudson. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and then Craig Kimbrell was able to come in. He was able to hold down the fourth phrase scoreless inning of his own. Now let's get to the bad beat that I wound up giving up for DK Nation as the Atlanta Braves come back with a three-run ninth to take down the San Francisco Giants by counting three to one. And yep, this happens in baseball. You're going to take some bad beats. I was on the under in the Blue Jays versus the Chicago White Sox game on Tuesday. I had the Giants money line here. Sometimes you wind up having a good handicap and it just doesn't wind up getting there. This is going to happen to every single one of you guys in handicaps baseball with every team playing 162 days and they wind up having off days in between and the postseason. That means that there's over 200 days with the Major League Baseball season. You're going to have a stretch like this where you do some good handicapping and they don't wind up getting there and these did not wind up getting there the last two days. As for the San Francisco Giants, Darren Ruff, sixth home runs campaign and Mike Ustromsky is seventh. Those both come off of Charlie Morton as Morton. Not a bad start. He gives up those two solo runs but punched out 11, gave up two runs in total in seven innings. Will Smith gets jiggy with the first scoreless thing and A.J. Mitchell allows a run in an inning, a very rare one, but then you end up seeing the ninth inning happen where Jake McGee comes in. He allows a home run to Dane Swanson, his 10th of the campaign, as he allows all three runs in a third of an inning. Tyler Rogers tried to keep on all the runners that he inherited, was unable to do so, as it wastes a really good start for one, Carlos Rodon. He winds up giving up one run in seven innings, punches out 10, and John Brebbia was able to give you a scoreless inning, but pretty brutal out there. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is now a bunch that I believe that they are 16-4 and four in their last 20 games, so they've been rock solid, and thoughts and prayers to anyone that wound up having the Minnesota Twins on Wednesday as well. They wind up blowing a three-run lead in the ninth as the Cleveland Guardians win by a count of 11-10. It's just got hairbrain as Tristan McKenzie allows three home runs, six runs in total, in four and a third innings. Going deep for the Minnesota Twins, Max Kepler, seventh home run of the season. Carlos Correa takes him for a ride twice, sixth and seventh home runs of the season. And Gio Urshela will get his sixth home run of the season off of Anthony Castro out there in the bullpen who gave up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Anthony Ghost was able to give you two scoreless innings. And then Sam Antiges and Emmanuel Classe come in for a scoreless eighth and ninth innings. But for the Guardians, they themselves had a trail of home runs. Oscar Gonzalez and Amid Rosario both get their second home run of the season off of Jarrell Cotton and Sonny Gray. Gives one up to guy yeah, that you wouldn't expect, Austin Hedges, his fifth home run of the season for Gray. Didn't lend a lot of length. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up over the course of four innings, including that home run. Caleb Fielbar and Josh Smith from there combined for two scoreless innings, but Jarrell Cotton gives up three runs in his inning, including those pair of bombs. Emilio Pagan, it was a Pagan for him. Three runs given up in an inning, and Griffin Jacks gets Jacks up. He gives up a run in an inning, so you wind up seeing a harebrained result, and as a result, the Cleveland Guardians now find themselves atop of the AL Central by a game, so that's interesting to take a look at, and the Detroit Tigers, they aren't going to be tracking them down anytime soon. 6-2, the Boston Red Sox get it done against the Detroit Tigers in a game of which featured six runs in the first three innings, eight runs in the first five, and the game still wound up going under because the Detroit Tigers are averaging 2.2 runs per game on the road. Avi Baez was able to go deep off of Michael Walk in the first inning. His sixth home run season, that would be the lone runs that the Detroit Tigers would get as Waka. Solid start after that. Gives up those two runs over the course of six innings. Edekazu Satomoda, two scoreless innings. And Jake Diekman, a scoreless inning. And for the Boston Red Sox, the power came from Rob Revsnyder. His first home run season, he winds up taking Tariq Skubo for a ride, who gives up all six runs and four and two-thirds innings. And the Tigers stop 
Agape bullpen in terms of ERA. Joey Menes, four outs out of the bullpen. Willie Peralta, along with Mr. Jason Foley, were both able to give you a scroll of setting. So, you wind up getting another under from the Detroit Tigers. And you didn't wind up getting an under in this one because it was called after six. But a solid performance from the Baltimore Orioles as they take down the Washington Nationals. 7-0 for the Nats. Patrick Corbin, it's not been a great season for him. He is now 3-10 and and in his 15 starts. The team has went 3-12, and losing 11 by 2-plus runs. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of four innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for the Baltimore Orioles. You wind up having Anthony Santander get his 13th home run season, and Austin the say is good. His 10th, Dre Boomer Mancini, will go deep off of C-Sheck a little bit later for his 7th home run season as C-Sheck now has a 5.22 ERA, giving up four runs in two-thirds of an inning. Andres Machado gets it out of the bullpen, and he runs him out Ramirez, a squirrel setting, but for Washington, three hits in this game. Tyler Wells was on it. He winds up being able to deliver five scoreless innings, and then Nick Vespi was able to give you a scoreless inning. As this is a game that wound up going six innings. There was a rain delay. They were able to then complete the fifth and sixth innings, and then game was called prior to the top of the seventh inning. So if you wind up having anything not involving the money line, so that means the run line, full game total, team total, what have you, that should be a refund. I know that that stinks if you wind up taking like Orioles team total over things like that, but anything other than the money line, it did not wind up cashing in this one. So probably wound up seeing a lot of refunds on that one. Any fans of the Pittsburgh Pirates, they probably want a refund of their own because they wound up seeing their team get completely lit up by the Chicago Cubs. 14-5, the the final, as you wind up having Jared Eikhoff give up 10 runs and four and a third innings. He becomes the first player since 1940, and that'd be Chubby Dean who wound up doing this. That sounds like a star of a film that is relatively inappropriate and adult to give up 10-plus runs in back-to-back starts since that gentleman in 1940 as he allows 10 and 4 and a third and he's giving up a pair of homers going deep for the Chicago Cubs. Patrick Wisdom is 14th home run season and then Ian App is 8th a little bit later. Alfonso Rivas would go deep. He winds up getting his third home run of the season as that winds up coming off of Diego Castillo who he winds up going an inning giving up 4 runs all of which were earned including that home run. Chase Young 3 and 2 thirds inning scoreless to his credit and for the Pittsburgh Pirates it has been a good start for Angel Cruz. He now has 6 RBI in his first three career games for the Pittsburgh Pirates this season. I think that he got a cup of coffee last year as well, but for Keegan Thompson, solid start. Six innings pitch. He does wind up giving up a home run along the way as Diego Castillo winds up getting his fifth home run season, so he winds up giving up one, and he winds up hitting one, but that's all that Thompson would give up. And then you had Daniel Norris do what he does best. He gave up four runs, all of which were unearned, though. It was a calamity out there in the field in the ninth inning, but that said, Michael Givens and David Roberts and they were both able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The Miami Marlins, no shortage of offense for them as they wind up getting a 7-4 win over the Colorado Rockies. As for the Rockies, Chad Cool, he was not cool in this one. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including home run, and then Austin Gomber. Now coming out of the bullpen, he gives up three runs in one and two-thirds innings as he allowed a pair of bombs. As going deep for Miami, Gary Cooper, fifth home run season. Jazz Chislam is 14th home run season. And Ore Soler is 13th. Robert Stevenson gives in out of the bullpen. And Lucas Gilbreth, a scoreless inning. And you did wind up having a home run from Elias Diaz for the Colorado Rockies, fourth home run season. That comes off of Lewis Head, who gives up three runs in an inning. He entered into the month, by the way, with an ERA of a 1-1-2. It's not a 7-23, as 
Our friend Pablo Lopez looked much better, giving up one unearned run over the course of seven innings. So that unearned run scored because of his error, but still very good performance there. And Stephen Okert was able to give you an inning scoreless out of the bullpen as well. The Milwaukee Brewers, they wind up falling at home to the St. Louis Cardinals, who now lead the NL Central 5-4 before the finalized for St. Louis. Wound up having Wayno get lit up in this one. Four runs give it up in four and two-thirds innings, including a pair of home runs. Andrew McCutcheon winds up getting his fifth home run season, and Rowdy Tellez his 11th, but bullpen at his back. You don't mess with the Johan Oviedo, two and a third inning scoreless, and Genesis Cabrera, a two-inning save as for St. Louis, pair of home runs in this one. Nolan Arenado, 14th home run season. Paul Goldschmidt, 17th. Those both come off of Eric Lauer, who lost five runs in six innings, and for Eric Lauer, it is not going well for him. He has now given up at least three runs in each out of his last five starts. A couple of those runs were unearned, but still not great there. Trevor Kelly, two scoreless innings, and Hobie Milner was able to give you a scoreless inning out there in the bullpen, but certainly far from terrific on that front, and something that has been far from terrific has been home favorites on the run line this far this season. As if you take a look at them, they have one straight up right around 59.5% of the time. They are 384 and 263 straight up, but if you look at the way that they've covered the run line, you have now had 116 instances in which a home favorite does not wind up covering the run line, winning by approximately one run, as that run line performance is 268 and 380 overall. If you've been looking at the last 30 days, Favorites straight up have been able to do a very solid job, hitting at nearly 61%, 248 and 159. And what we've noticed over the last three days in Major League Baseball as well, overs are coming in, 202 overs, 187 unders. And that's a reversal from what we wanted seeing at the beginning part of the season as after the first three weeks of the season, nearly 60% of games wound up going under. That under rate down to 51.3%. 501 unders, 475 overs overall for the season. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday, and that's what we're seeing trend-wise coming up next. We're going to be talking to Dan Zaborski about things that have surprised him thus far this season, teams that might be doing for a little bit of regression slash progression. Also going to be taking a look at this NL Central race and what the Yankees are doing in general. That's up next right here on the Baseball Winning Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Got on a great guest today. It's Dan Zaborski. He is doing absolutely amazing work over there at Fangraphs. On top of that, he does a little bit of contributions when it comes to ESPN as well. Guy does a tremendous job taking a look at the game of baseball. He does a lot of zips, projections as well. And to be able to follow Dan Zaborski on Twitter, well, that's easy enough. The letter D and then his last name, Zaborski. I'll spell that out for you. S-E-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I all together. And Dan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Hey, Greg. How's it going today? It is going terrific. And you know who else is having a terrific day right now? The New York Yankees who <sighs> wake up in late June with over 50 wins right now. <sighs> it is absolutely insane. I could hear you groaning a little bit in the background. But I, what did you wind up having projected for the Yankees coming into the season? And where's that at now? Because, I mean, I just take a look at this Yankees team and I mean, I thought that they were going to be relatively solid this year, but I don't think that even the biggest Yankees fan thought that at this point in the season, they'd be at 50 plus wins. Oh, well, coming into the season, Zips had all four of the good AL East teams. Probably don't have to say which four are the good ones. <laughs> Zips had their mean projection all in the high 80s, simply because there was a lot of uncertainty. For the Yankees, if you looked at our Fangraphs projections and people were mad about them, that we did have the rotation ranked top in baseball. That got some negative feedback, but it's been quite good. So a little bit of vindication there, but obviously we did not expect them to win at the clip they have been. Zips' current projection for the Yankees is for them to finish with 104 wins, which is someone from Baltimore is a little annoying. Oh, man. And I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people saying that that's low for them right now because they started out the year at 50 and 17. It's just been absolutely ridiculous. And what has been the most unexpected part of the New York Yankees this far? Because for me personally, I feel like it's really been a lot of these guys out there in the bullpen, someone like a Clay Holmes coming in and having literally like a 0.60 ERA at this point. You've also had guys like a Michael King and company being able to do their part. That's been the most unexpected part for me that I really didn't see coming. I don't know what you've been taking a look at, but for me, that's just something that I don't think anyone could have predicted. The bullpen has been terrific, even with, you know, not a big stable of big names as in the past. have guys like uh, Marinaccio pitching well. And that was a little of a surprise, just to the degree that they're pitching well. One of the big surprises, of course, is just how good Nestor Cortez has been. He's not a pitcher who has a big fastball, but he's still racking up strikeouts. He still has an excellent strikeout and walk ratio in, in above four. The rotation has been so good that last I checked, Garrett Cole had the worst ERA of the four. <laughs> That's Actually, absolutely- I see that Severino has fallen below him, but still. 
That's absolutely insane. And I, to your point, Nestor Cortez, I recognize that 2020 was the pandemic year and everything was just out of whack with that. But you had a 15-26 ERA that season <laughs> with the Seattle Banners. If you were to have told me 24 months later, he'd be one of the top pitchers out there in the American League. I would have probably laughed at you, but here we are. Nestor Cortez has been able to do an absolutely amazing job. Did wind up giving up a couple home runs on Tuesday, but certainly has been a good year for him as we do have Dan Zaborski of Fangraphs joining me on the show. And obviously the New York Yankees winning at the clip that they have. That has been one of the biggest surprises out there in baseball. Not necessarily that they're in the playoff hunt. Not even necessarily that they're leading the division. But I them being able to get to 50 wins this early on this season, I consider to be a surprise. But what has been some of the other surprises for you with regards to what we've seen? Because now we're up to that sample size of right around 65 to 70 games for a lot of these teams. So now I think we've gotten beyond the point at which we could be like, oh, it's a small sample size. There's going to be a whole boatload of regression or anything like that. But what's been the biggest surprise to you thus far through about 70 or so games? I think generally speaking, how well the Twins rotation has stayed together. Uh, I kind of rated that group fairly low coming into the season, except for Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray. I'm also surprised at how well the Padres have done without Fernando Tatis Jr. I thought it was a good team. I've been projecting them well for a few years now, but I did not expect them with the loss of Tatis. And now Machado to be winning at the clip they are because they're still making the Dodgers very uncomfortable. Yeah, but I do think that that entire National League West has been a little bit of a surprise as well. Like, the Arizona Diamondbacks are not a team that's going to be able to make the postseason, but going into Tuesday at 32-37, and I think that it's fair to say that they have overachieved compared to what we were thinking that they would coming into the year. And when it comes to the LA Dodgers, they were tied for first place going into Tuesday with the San Diego Padres. And I know that there are a lot of people that they're taking a look at this LA Dodgers team. And I don't know if you've picked up on this, but what I've been noticing with the Dodgers is that they've had a little bit of a tougher time with a lesser competition, but they've really been able to do a better job against teams with a winning record. I'm not sure if that's something that you've looked at and if it's something that you've made a big deal out about or not, but I think that that's just been very strange to see thus far this season. Yeah, it's not a usual uh, pattern, but that doesn't really tend to be predictive. It's just that baseball is going to baseball sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that team like the Dodgers, they're two and seven against the Rockies and Pirates combined. I don't think there's like a rock, paper, scissors thing where, you know, paper comes down around and, and, and covers rock. But I, I don't think that will persist. The Dodgers are still a very dangerous team and anyone who underestimates them, well one to them because it's a wealthy team, very well run team and a very aggressive team when it comes to winning. The Padres are going to have their hands filled even with Tatis coming back at some point, presumably. And I think that it is fair to point out as well, the San Diego Padres, one of the weakest schedules in all of baseball coming into this week as well. So that is going to be something to keep an eye on as well as we do have Jan Zaborski of Fangraphs joining me right here on the podcast. And this has been a race that I've been taking a look at. And these two teams, they wound up hooking up this week, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. As we wind up doing this interview, the Brewers have a slim one-game lead over the St. Louis Cardinals at the time of this podcast probably going to wind up changing just a tad but with regards to this race I'm not sure about you but I mean right now at Vegas I'm able to find the St. Louis Cardinals at a lot of places between a plus 140 to a plus 150 with regards to odds to be able to win the NL Central and I take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and personally I think that they should be the favorites to be able to win the NL Central I don't know what you wind up projecting right now but with the Brewers dealing with all the injuries that they are in terms of their rotation and the offense 
other than when they play against the Cincinnati Reds, who they just completely clobber every single time, not being too terrific. I think a look at this Cardinals team, and I think that they've got a great shot to be able to win the NL Central this year. Yeah, coming into the season, Zips did have the Cardinals a few games ahead of the Brewers. What it came down to was that the Cardinals were the safer projection. They had a tighter range of expected outcomes, which is a familiar, a familiar story with the Cardinals. They've never really been a team to rely just on one or two star players. They've usually had very good depth, usually very good plan Bs and Cs and occasionally Ds. And we've seen some of that this year with, you know, Brendan Donovan and Juan Yapez and even Nolan Gorman has hit very well. Defense, maybe not quite as much, but the Brewers were kind of the opposite end of the spectrum that they had a higher chance of winning 95 games than the Cardinals did, but a higher chance of winning or losing 95 games than the Cardinals did. The Brewers, relative to the Cardinals, rely on a few players. They really needed that top of the rotation to be just sterling. And while Corbin Burns has, obviously you have Freddie Peralta injured, you have Brendan Woodruff, less serious injury, Aaron Ashby's out. Their rotation depth is being tested. When you look at their offense, which is ninth in the league in runs scored, and National League, not the league as a whole, there do seem to be some lost opportunities in the offense. They did not really go into the season with better options than Andrew McCutcheon at the it feels like they kind of were not very aggressive about improving the team. And that kind of thing can really come back and, 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 and bite you in the butt when push comes to shove. Yeah, when you're trotting out there, Chichi Gonzalez for starts, that's not necessarily too terrific either. We wound up seeing that on Tuesday with the Aaron Ashby injury, so that's not great now. For the St. Louis Cardinals, they're going to need to get Jack Flaherty firing on all cylinders as well as he wanted going on Tuesday for just the second start of the season as well. But I do think that they're going to be interesting to take a look at moving forward as joining me on the podcast, we do have Dan Zaborski of Fangrass and Dan, when you do your baseball projections, something that I love that you wind up doing is you're able to do a good job of taking a look at maybe some teams slash players that are due in for maybe a little bit of positive progression. They've been getting a little bit unlucky this season. Has there been a team or two or even just a pitcher or two? Because I think that this is good for starting pitchers that you just take a look at them and the numbers don't necessarily look good for this team and or player, but you expect them to get a little bit of progression just because you feel like they've been maybe a little bit unlucky this year? Well, from unlucky, one of the things that stood out to me, I published some updated Z stats, which is kind of the Zips version of X stats, which uses some different things than StatCast does. When I was looking at the pictures, what amused me, in one respect, Shane McClanahan should be having an even better season. From the dictate against him, Zips only thought he should have allowed four home runs at the time versus eight, which he had actually allowed. And of course, you know, McClanahan's not actually having a bad season. Herman Marquez is another picture who, you know, you look at his stats and it's you see the ERA and the FIP is better at under five, but it's not what it was last year, especially when considering that offense has gone down considerably. But Zips actually thinks that, that Marquez is pitching very similarly to last year, just getting worse results. So he's a player that, that Zips likes as, as a bounce back. Zips also thinks that when you look at like strike underachievers, Jordan Montgomery should be striking out more guys based on his contact rate. Noah Syndergaard is still kind of feeling the way through his reduced explosiveness and and should be striking out more batters than he is. So those are some of the names that have really stuck out to me. Yeah, it's been really interesting to take a look at Thor because he's actually been able to pitch really well in L.A. on the road. Not necessarily the same story, but the swing of his stuff for him has been relatively down. And I've just got to ask you about this because I think that it's just one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen with regards to Detroit Tigers right now this season. 
they are on average to hit about like 82, 83 home runs, depending upon what White's mapping in the next game or two prior to this podcast winding up coming out for the season. So, aka, they are on pace at about 10 more homers than Barry Bonds hit in 2001 as an entirety of a team, and they're averaging 2.2 runs per game. Just what have you made out of this in general? Because the Tigers were actually, from a lot of people out here in Vegas, a chic pick to get over their win total. A lot of people were very bullish on them coming into the year. And the rotation going down in shambles, other than Tariq Skubal, has hurt them. But what have you made just out of this offense, which is one of the worst that I've legitimately ever seen? It's a confusing offense in a way because it's a blend of some of the rookies not working out, incompetence along a wide front. The rookies have struggled. Spencer Torkelson has not hit like expected. The veterans haven't hit like expected. Javier Baez has an on-base percentage under 250. He's only hit four home runs. From top to bottom, everybody has just struggled. Even Miguel Cabrera, who had a pretty good early season, especially considering the last few seasons, kind of struggled lately again, too. It is essentially a singles hitter, but he's actually leading the, the team in OPS plus among the starting lineup. I think they're better than this. And I feel kind of bad now that I was mean to Zips because essentially I said that I believed that the Tigers were better than Zips thought at the beginning of the season, but they're worse. Oh, it has not been a great year for them. And once again, I will say for them, when you end up having four out of your five starters from opening day in terms of your rotation going down, you're probably not going to be coming out with a great record, but... When you're averaging 2.2 runs per game as a collective on the road, you know what? It's hard to win games that way. And a man that is certainly providing a whole heck of a lot more than the Detroit Tigers offense, that'd be you, my friend, Dan. You do an absolutely terrific job over there at Fangraphs. I know you're doing some contributions as well at ESPN, and you do just a great job taking a look at the game of baseball. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you got going on in general. Well, you can find me at D Zimborski on Twitter. I don't really TikTok because I'm old. I just turned 44, and so new things are frightening to me. I'm currently working on, in light of the losses of Anthony Rendon for the season and Manny Machado for a much lesser unspecified period of time i'm looking at the most irreplaceable players in the pennant hunt that's not exactly the most valuable players simply the players who if a team lost them would have the largest effect negative on their team in in the divisional races that's what i'm currently working on and it should be live when the podcast goes live perfect and dan does an absolutely terrific job of just taking a look at the game of baseball being able to project forward taking a look at a lot of the analytics of baseball as well and he always does a great job whenever he joins this podcast. So big thanks to Dan for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the MLB betting board for this Thursday as we touch them all. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, 
pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Eason Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Dan Zaborski on the show. He does a terrific job over there at Fangraphs, and on top of that, you'll occasionally see his work over there at ESPN. Does an amazing job taking a look at the analytics of the game of baseball and always delivers on this podcast. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Janet underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where... We go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And we don't have any interleague games, so that'll help out even more as we do begin with that first National League game of 901-902 on the betting board. You've got the Colorado Rockies, and they're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Miami Marlins, as it's going to be Braxton Garrett, who's going to be going for the fish, and Kyle Freeland. He is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies are finding themselves as an underdog, and he worked between plus 110 and plus 123. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the fish, anywhere between minus 123 and minus 133 is your price. Anywhere between 8 and 8.5 is your total. On the 8.5, the under is minus 120 and the over is even. And on the 8 flip, the over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to Burrex and Garrett and company, I want to make in the Marlins a minus 128 favorite. So, minus 123, minus 125, I'm looking to lay it there with them. Just the Colorado Rockies team that they had right around 35 to 40 points worse with regards to their batting average on the road than they do at home. And a lot of the bullpen pieces, Lucas Gilbreth really comes to mind. Justin Lawrence, they have been significantly worse on the road than they have been at home this season. And you take a look at Braxton Garrett. He has made three starts thus far this season. Has not been great. Has not necessarily been awful. 485 ERA. Big thing with him is that he needs to be able to do a good job of being able to have some command because he's had a little bit of a cup of coffee at the big league level during the 2020 and 2021 season. Last year, wound up having 20 walks over the course of 34 innings. Thus far this season, he seems to have reined it in a little bit more. He was able to do a okay job with command at the minor league level. Four walks in 13 innings. That is passable. It's not great, but you know what? You are going to deal with it. And you go back to that 2021 campaign. Was much better at home than he was on the road. 332 home area compared to a north of 70 area on the road. And for Kyle Freeland, he has been able to pitch much better on the road than he has been able to at home. A three road area, a 532 home area. Big thing with him is that he's given up just two home runs in 27 innings on the road. Five bombs in more like 45 five and two-thirds innings at home with opponents hitting about 85 points lower off of him when he is on the road. So I do think that we are going to be able to see both of these guys do a solid job there 
with the Miami Marlins. They have a deal with a couple of injuries. Jesus Aguiar had been out of the fold going into yesterday, but he was able to return, so that's big. Garrett Cooper, he's hitting a 300. He's been healthy all season long. You need to get a little bit more out of some of your struggling star bats, like Avicio Garcia, Ore Soler, hitting between a 222-230. Jacob Sellings has not necessarily been able to get on base. Now you do have John Birdie hitting a 275. Jazz Chisholm, double-digit amount of bombs. He's hitting right around 245. And for the Colorado Rockies, Take a look at someone like a C.J. Crone. This is illustrating the home and road splits that I'm talking about. He's got 17 home runs thus far this season, and just four of them have wound up coming on the road. And on the road, he is barely hitting above the Mendoza line of 200. Brandon Rogers, all six of his home runs, they have been hit at home as well. You've been able to have someone like Jose Iglesias do a solid job on the road. Charlie Blackman has been able to give you a little bit of production as well. But so many of the Colorado Rockies, they just play significantly better when they are at home rather than on the road. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3. I would rather have an 8.5 under rather than an 8 over. And right now, all I've got access to is 8.5. So I'm going to be taking a look at an 8.5 under personally. And this is despite the fact that we have seen the Miami Marlins have a little bit of a tough time with the bullpen. They're currently in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen, right? Along with the Colorado Rockies, as they've had someone in Lewis said, who wound up entering into the month with a 113 ERA that is currently north of a six. You've had Tommy Nance be a little bit hot and cold recently, but Stephen Okerb has been able to give you right around 2.6 ERA. Anthony Bass has been able to do a solid job all season long. Sub-2 ERA, Dome Floral, Richard Blyer, they've been a little bit rough, but I do think that the Miami Marlins going to be able to hold the Colorado Rockies at bay in this one. We're going to lay up to a minus 128 with official looking to lay it here and looking at an 8.5 under. We go to 903-904 on the betting board. You got the San Francisco Giants are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves as Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Bravo and Alex Wood is on the bump for San Francisco. The Giants are anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Atlanta, it's anywhere between minus 148 and minus 155 with 9.5 being your total. It's a little bit all over the place. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 115. And with the Giants, I needed at least a plus 151 to be able to take a shot here. I'm willing to lay a right around minus 147-ish money line with the Atlanta Braves. If you take a look at the run line, you're finding it anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 135. I would need closer to a plus 140. So at current numbers, I would like to see this get down maybe closer to about a minus 140 or so, but I would be willing to lay it with the Atlanta Braves. Kyle Wright has been able to do an absolutely masterful job this season for the Atlanta Braves. His swing and miss stuff has been very, very good as he's been getting right around 10 strikeouts per nine. And he said, has really been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's given up four home runs in 79 and two-thirds settings, so he's been able to do an absolutely supreme job of being able to keep things out in front of him. And then when it comes to Alex Wood, it's just been a little bit all over the place for him thus far this season. It's not like he's giving up overly many home runs. He's given up six home runs in 66 and two-thirds innings. As a matter of fact, that's actually pretty darn good, but Bonin's starting at 268 off of him, despite him getting a little bit over eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is right around two and a half. His road ERA is actually a tad bit better than it is on the road, but it's pretty equal. 425 road ERA, 440 home ERA. He's just not necessarily backed up by the same bullpen that he was a season ago with the San Francisco Giants, and both of these teams really used up their bullpen on Tuesday, but 
last year. They had the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. It was sub three, only team in the big leagues that was able to do that. And Camilo Duvall, Jarlin Garcia, both of these guys are posting up sub three twenty ERAs. But Tyler Rogers has been all over the place. He's got right around a five ish ERA. He's been able to rein it in a little bit more. Same with Jake McGee after he had a rough start to the season and landed on the injured list. But these guys have not been the same from last season. Then for the Atlanta Braves, even with Tyler Mazik dealing with injuries throughout much of the year, AJ Mincher has been able to post up a one ERA. Darren O'Day, things get a little bit dicey when he and Will Smith wind up coming into the game, but Aces Cruz has been very good for the team. You've got someone like a Jake Stevens who's been able to be a solid long guy. Kenley Jansen is not necessarily the world's most trustworthy guy, but he still is able to post up right around 3 ERA now with the Atlanta Braves. One little bit of a worry spot is that Austin Riley has got 18 home runs thus far this season. He wound up being out of the starting lineup yesterday. You could speculate that there's a little bit of an injury going on there, so that is a little bit of an issue. Now, Dansby Swanson, 360 on base. He's hitting right around 295. Ronald Acuna Jr., 375 on base. Matt Olson, 365 on base. He's got multiple home runs in this series. These guys have been solid along with Orlando Arce and Michael Harris, the second who have gotten opportunities due to injury. Both of these guys hitting well above a 300, but then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and you've got the Jack Show, Jack Peterson, 15 home runs going into yesterday. He and Thario Estrada, they both have been hitting right around a 270. Mikey Stremski has been able to give you right around a 370 on base, and same for Brandon Belt in terms of the on base, only right around 240 in terms of the average, and Peterson, really the lone guy that has been able to give this San Francisco Giants team a double-digit amount of foamers, so I do think that that's going to nip them in the butt a little bit. Kyle Wright has really been impressing me this year. He's backed up by a little bit of a better bullpen, and I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, so my total at an 8.8, so I'm going to be looking at an under and a current numbers right around a minus 147 is the lowest I am seeing, but I'm going to lay that here with the Atlanta Braves as we move to 905-906 on the bang board. You've got the LA Dodgers, and they're going to be on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're on a hunter green, getting the start for them, and Clayton Kershaw on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are in between minus 205 and minus 220 on the money line, and you're looking at the Reds being anywhere between plus 180 and plus $2, and total on this game is 9 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Dodgers run line, you're finding it in a lot of spots anywhere between about a minus 125 to a minus 130. I was willing to lay up to a minus 135, and I set the Dodgers on the money line at a minus 204, so what I'm going to be taking a look at is the Dodgers run line. I'm just not seeing enough to be able to take the Cincinnati Reds on the money line. I would need to get north of $2, and with the Dodgers, this is a offense that they've got the lethality to make up a word here to be able to win this game by multiple runs, and the Dodgers haven't really played a lot of one-run games thus far this season, especially on the road. You take a look at this Dodgers lineup and missing Buki Betts. It's certainly been affecting them a little bit, but Will Smith, he's starting to get jiggy with it north of 30 RBI. He had another one yesterday. He's been able to hit a 250, but has really been able to get on base right around 350 on base. Freddie Freeman needs to get it going with regards to power, but he, Trey Turner, both are inning above a 295. What's been interesting for this team is just taking a look at the bottom of the full Max Muncy. He's only inning about a buck 55. That's a 322 on base, but that power is not been there. Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, they're both inning below 220, and Bellinger ever since he won MVP has not been good, to say the least. Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, these guys haven't been able to get on base, but you're really missing a lot of power with that Mookie Betts out there, but with that said, you know it's going to be all about help them get a little bit of power. That would be Hunter Green as in 65 innings thus far this season, 17 home runs surrendered. He's giving up well over two home runs 
per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, barely below four. Now, he gets swings and misses. This is someone that has given you over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And as a matter of fact, he faced off against the Dodgers a little bit earlier this year. Five and a third innings wound up giving up three runs, two of which were earned, including a home run in that start. That's when offense was way down in for Clayton Kershaw. He's been able to do a relatively solid job, and I would argue that over the last few years, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home, and the numbers this year bear it out. Buck 17 road area, 338 home area. He's been giving up fewer home runs on the road than at home since the beginning of the 2020 season. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure why, but he has been swinging his stuff has been there right around nine straight guys per nine innings. I actually like him a little bit better away from LA and the Dodgers as a whole. They're posting up an ERA that's more than half a point better when they are on the road than at home, and it's really been the ancillary guys in that bullpen that have stepped up. Yancey Almonte as a sub two ERA. Danny Hudson has been able to do a solid job. Evan Phillips has a two-ish ERA. Alex Vizia has given you good innings. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell, Bursetta, Gratterall, north of four ERAs out of them. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they're dead last currently in the league. In terms of bullpen ERA, Luis Sessa has been a gas can. Joel Kuno has been one of your best bullpen pieces with right around a four ERA. Hunter Strickland, Revier, Sam Martin, Art Warren, every one of these guys has north of a 5-2-5 ERA. So, has been an issue. Alexis Diaz is now on the injured list. Though, for the Cincinnati Reds, even though they're wrong, of scoring four plus runs in 23 out of 25 games has unfortunately come to an end. They've still been able to do a good job of generating offense at home now. They've got Jonathan India back in the fold. Joey Vato ever since he wanted coming off of the COVID IL on base percentage of right around a 375. Donovan Solano wanted coming back into the fold yesterday for the first time all season. Albert Amaro Jr. sitting at 285. Then you've got Brendan Drury. 14 home runs. He's been able to right in the neighborhood about a 265 for this team, so he's been solid, but I think that Hunter Green going to get lit up by an L.A. Dodgers team that, even without Mookie Betts in the fold, they still do have quite a bit of firepower, so this is the point in which I'm going to be looking at the Dodgers on the run line. Did wind up saying by total at a 9.7. Cincinnati has been actually able to do a very good job of being able to generate offense at home, so looking over and looking at the Dodgers on the run line. Here comes a DK Nation pick of 907-908 on the bang board. The Chicago Cubs they throw it to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Ozzy Kitana is going to be on the bump for the Buccos, and We've got Justin Seal, who's going to be on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs are finding themselves in between minus 110 and minus 120. If you're looking at the Pirates, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. NF is your total with the over and the under, both at minus 110. And when it comes to DK Nation pick, I'm going to be going with the Pittsburgh Pirates. O'Neill Cruz has been sent up to the big leagues for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and all of a sudden, this is a Pittsburgh Pirates offense that has a little bit of life. He got five RBI in his first two career games at the big league level. Jax Wisniewski wound up having three home runs on Father's Day as well, so that has been very good. And when I take a look at Justin Steele, I think that he's just doing for a lot of negative regression with regards to the deep ball. You take a look at what he's been able to do this year, and he has been actually absolutely exceptional at being able to keep the ball in the yard. He has given up just three home runs over the course of 59 innings. He's a guy that gets right around eight straight cuts for nine innings. Not Nothing great, nothing terrible. His fielding independent is actually lower than his ERA, but... 4.4 walks per nine innings has me very, very concerned. He's giving up nearly nine hits per nine innings. His opponents are right around 255 off of him, so he's been a little bit lucky to not give up as much as he has. The Chicago Cubs, they were really able to light it up against the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday, so I do expect a little bit of a bounce back. And I mean, for the Cubs, you do have a lot of guys that are getting on base for this team. 
Ian App, Wilson Contreras, Rafael Ortega, all these guys giving you at least a 355 on base for Wilson Contreras, coupled with Patrick Wisdom, both of these guys, 12 plus home runs. Wisdom has been striking out a ton this season, though. And then you take a look at the bottom of the fold. Alfonso Rivas, Jason Award, Jonathan VR. These guys are in a 225 or lower Wisdom. Hitting a 225 himself. Frank Schwindelis had a little bit of a rough season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've had Brian Reynolds all of a sudden really be able to step up for the team. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers in the last 15 days. He has a 4 iron on base and nearly a 370 batting average. And you'll go back as one straight down the toilet. And you do have a couple guys. Yu Chang, Michael Perez... Diego Castillo, Cal Mitchell, these guys have been porous towards the bottom of the lineup. That's putting it very politely, but Belayan Madrid, a little bit of a prospect for this Pirates team. He's been able to do a good job in limited at-bats as well. And the Pirates, I'm not saying that their bullpen is great, but it's better than the Cubs who are in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA with guys like Scott Efres, Rowan Wick really going into the tank recently. Michael Givens has a north of four ERA. I mean, boy, Daniel Norris has a north of seven ERA. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, David Bernard, he's be able to give you a sub-2 ERA with the Pirates getting blown out yesterday. You were able to save more of your trustworthy bullpen pieces. Chase Young sub-2 ERA. Will Crow is a little bit of a longer guy. 260 ERA. And then you take a look at Jose Quintana. A little bit of a revenge spot as he was a Chicago Cub a few seasons ago. Just a 1-4 record as I believe that all but five of the Pirates wins this year have come out of the bullpen. But for Quintana, he's giving up one home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, not too bad. Right around a three. Strikeouts per nine. It's not like he's blowing guys way, but he's able to get right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. Has been giving up more on contact recently, giving up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts, but you're able to take a look at the glass half full as well. He has given up three runs or fewer in all but two of his starts thus far this season, and he's made 13 in total, so and it's something that is a little bit positive with him, and you take a look at what Jose Kidana has been able to do in Pittsburgh, 318 home ERA compared to a 444 road ERA, so I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to have a nice start here. I do think that the Cubs are going to be regressing a little bit after what we want I'm seeing yesterday. I do like what they've been able to get out of some of their young guys and Christopher Morrell and company, but I do think that this is going to be a good bounce back here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think they Justin Seal doing for a little bit of negative regression. I do think that ball is going to be staying in the yard a little bit more in this game as well. They wind up saying my total at a 7.8. I'm banking on a good start here for Jose Quintana, so I'm looking at the under and the DK Nation pick. I end up saying the Pirates more around a minus 135 favorite, so DK Nation pick. Pirates on the money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well as we move on to 909-910 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a game that was originally listed up by DraftKings with the Cardinals at minus 120 and the Brewers at even money. And it's going to be Jason Alexander going for the Brewers and Dakota Hudson going for the St. Louis Cardinals. But right now, that is the only number that I've seen for this game. I have no idea what is going on with this one. But with that said, MLB.com still has this as the starting pitching lineup for both of these teams. So very curious there. But as long as we do end up getting Mr. Hudson and Jason Alexander, I was willing to set the Brewers as a minus one on three favorite. So at this current number, I would be taking a look at Milwaukee with Milwaukee. They've been dealing with a couple of ailments of their own this season. Willie Adamas wound up missing yesterday's game, but I mean, Willie Adamas is sitting right around 215 this year. I recognize the fact that he's got a double-digit amount of homers, but I mean, he, Luis Urias, along with Casimira, Tyrone Taylor, Chase Peterson, all these guys, and get 230 or lower, they need a little bit of a kick in the rear. You've had Hunter Renfro and Rowdy Tellez both be able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs. They're both hitting between about a 245 to a 255. Omar Nervais is in that fold as well, but Christian Yelich, another disappointing season 
season for him, hitting right around 235. Seven home runs. You just need more out of him. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, it has been a case which you have been able to have your star bats be able to step up as Paul Goldschmidt entered in yesterday with 16 home runs, hitting a 340. He has been absolutely incredible. Juan Yepes, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Gorman, all in between about a 274 to a 280. And with Arenado, he's been able to go deep 13 times thus far this season. You've got the Cardinals really being able to step up with their bat. But with that said, you take a look at Dakota Hudson, and this has been very much a little bit more of a pitch contact guy, someone that really relies upon ground balls, even though he averages more than four walks per nine innings. He gets right around five to five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and here he is with a 331 ERA, having given up four home runs in 70 and two-thirds innings. It's maddening, and for Jason Alexander, he's gotten, I'm not even kidding here, eight strikeouts in 22 and two-thirds innings. He is averaging two strikeouts per start. He has not given up a single home run, and he's got a 242 ERA. I think that these are two candidates for a little bit of regression here, but what I think is helping out the Milwaukee Brewers is the fact that you've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader, that great 8th and ninth inning duo for them. I mean, for Josh Hader, I believe that he's given up runs in just one out of his last 43 total appearances. It's been absolutely terrific. And on top of that, Hobie Milner along with Brad Boxberger both have sub-250 ERAs. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, been a little bit up and down with regards to this bullpen. You've been able to have some very good innings out of Giovanni Gallegos recently. Genesis Cabrera has been terrific for the team. Ryan Elsley, he's given up one earned run thus far this season, but guys like Drew Verhagen, Nick Whitgren, TJ McFarlane, the veterans for the team, they have not been able to step up. So, very curious spot here. I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be due in for a little bit of regression, but I do think that Jason Alexander, just with the unfamiliarity in general, he's going to be coming at the Cardinals with, that does give him a little bit of an advantage along with pitching at home. So, I did wind up saying the Brewers at a minus 103, and I did wind up saying my total at 8.7 at a 9. I would be taking a look at the under because the Brewers have been a little bit rough with the bats. So, this is a spot in which at the 9, looking under and at even money or better would be taking a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. As we move on to 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board, it is the Slam Diego Padres. They're going to be playing us to the Philadelphia Phillies. As Ranger Suarez is going to be going for the Phillies. And Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for San Diego. San Diego find themselves anywhere between a minus 140 and a minus 148 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, it's anywhere between plus 125 and plus 137. Seven is your total over its minus 120 and the under is even. A rare seven that I'm willing to take under. Joe Musgrove has been lights out. Now, he is coming off of the COVID IL, so that does give you a little bit of pause there, but Joe Musgrove, thus far this season, he has wound up making a grand total of 12 starts. He has not allowed more than two runs in any of them, and he has completed at least six innings in every one of those 12 starts. If the Cy Young voting was conducted today, he would get my vote. He has been able to get a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. You take a look at what he's doing at home. Buck 41 home ERA. Buck 72 road ERA. He has been magnificent wherever he's been. Opponents are a buck 96 off of him. He checks all the boxes. And for Rangers Suarez, just been a little bit rough in general for him because the command has not been there. He's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. Skip the ball in the yard, giving up one home run per nine innings, but opponents are a 270 off of him. Swing and miss stuff has not been great. He's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but it's actually been much better on the road than he has been at home. 510 home ERA, one and three record, 386 road ERA, four and one record, and he has Give it up one more home run on the road than he has at home, but opponent's batting average goes down by about 35 points with the Philadelphia Phillies. 
It's a lineup that wound up getting shut down a little bit in Texas yesterday, but that said, you still have a lot of guys that have been able to do a solid job of getting on base. We all know about Bryce Harper returned to the fold yesterday, hitting a 325, 15 home runs, and then you've got Kyle Schwarber, 19 bombs. On base percentage is a 340 batting average, leaves a little bit of something to be desired, but in that middle, you've got Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, JT Riumito, all in between about a 240 to a 256, and you take a look at what Reese Hoskins has done recently over the last 21 days, hitting above a 350, and he's been able to have five home runs in that time span, so he's been absolutely tremendous for this team. Now with the Phillies, you have a little bit of pause with regards to this bullpen. Jersich Familia continues to be terrible. 555 ERA thus far this season, but Connor Brogdon, Brad and Corey Knable, you're able to trust in these guys. Nick Nelson, someone like that, not so much. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres, and Taylor Rogers been a little bit up and down as a reliever, but he's been able to do a relatively solid job this season for the San Diego Padres. They wound up having to go to Mike Clevenger as a starter yesterday. As he's actually been coming out of the bullpen recently, but they had Nick Martinez be able to piggyback off of him, so that was able to save a lot of the more trustworthy bullpen pieces like Nabel Crisman. It's going to be good to go. Luis Garcia has been a little bit up and down. He's been able to give you about a three-ish ERA this season. He's going to be in the fold then for the San Diego Padres. Going to be without many Machado in this game, but guys have stepped up for this bunch as no. Mazar is hitting nearly a 300. Jorge Alfaro just below that as well. You've had Jake Cronenworth hit overall for the season at 250, but you take a look at what he's been able to do down the stretch run here. He's hitting a 400 over the last 15 days, so that's been terrific. Jerks from Profar, 353 on base. Even Jose Azucar has been able to find a way to be able to get on. Luke Voigt has been able to give this team a little bit of promise as well, so I do take a look at this spot, and I think that Joe Musgrove is going to be able to lend another masterful start. I would be willing to take a shot on the run line with regards to my numbers, as right now you're finding a big, juicy plus price with regards to that run line, anywhere between about a plus 135 to a plus 145, but being able to get this money line right around a minus 140 to a minus 145, because I do think that it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to lay that instead, and I'm going to be taking a look at the 700. So Padres money line to go along with the under. 913-914 on the bank board. The Cleveland Guardians at the red faceoff against the Minnesota Twins. As Devin Smeltzer is going to be on the bump for the Twins, and Zach Plesak is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog. Anywhere team plus 125 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Minnesota, anywhere team minus 135, minus 145 is your price. 9.5 to 10 is your total. On the 10, the under is minus 115, the over is minus 105, the 9.5 as overjuice, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, the under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And when it comes to Cleveland, I needed at least a plus 144 to be able to take a shot. So with Minnesota, anywhere between minus 135 to about a minus 144, I'm going to lay that. I'm going to lay up to a minus 144 with them. Now, Devin Smeltzer. He's been seeing a little bit of regression recently after he was really getting lucky at being able to keep the ball in the yard towards the beginning part of the season and has now given up seven home runs in 38 and a third innings. I think that he's probably getting a little bit unlucky with that regard. He's been very much a pitch of contact guy. Two and a half walks per nine innings. When he gets right around four and a half punch outs per nine, but does a good job inducing quite a bit of soft contact. And for Zach Plesak, he himself has given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Another low strikeout guy who gives you right around five and a half, six strikeouts per nine innings. He's done a good job of being able to keep down the walks as his walks per nine rate. That hovers in the neighborhood of about two. And for the Guardians, they do back him up with a relatively solid bullpen. Eli Morgan, Sam Hentages, sub two ERAs. Both of these guys were starters last year. They didn't pan out, but in the bullpen, they have been rock solid. 
uh, Trevor Steven, a little bit up and down in the bullpen, right around at 365 ERA, but Emmanuel Classe has been able to do a nice job of being lights out. And for the Cleveland Guardians, if you've got a lot of guys that get on base, you really have just that one masher that has been able to go yard for the team. That'd be Jose Ramirez, who has been absolutely amazing. 16 home runs, 62 RBI, going into what we wound up seeing on Wednesday, but the guys around him because Ramirez, he's got right around a 392 on base, but then you've got Amid Rosario, Josh Naylor, Steven Kwan, all being able to between about a 265 to 280. Andres Jimenez hitting above a 300. Oscar Gonzalez hitting above a 325. Owen Miller's hitting a 260 for this bunch. Miles Straw has been going through some tough times, but certainly has been solid there. And for the Minnesota Twins, I mean, that man, Byron Buxton, is a bad, bad man. He wound up getting a day off yesterday, but he should be back in the fold. He's getting a home run every 10 or so at-bats over the last 15 days. He's been hitting right around a 275. Got a lot of guys like Gio Urshela, Max Kepler, Nick Gordon were hitting between, I would say, about a 245 to as high as a 260. Carlos Correa is hitting nearly a 300, and Luis Arias, 440 on base. He has been consistent for the team. And with the Twins bullpen, it's nothing great, nothing terrible. Yohan Duran, he currently leads the league in pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. He has been terrific. He's been posting up right around 2.5 ERA. Jarrell Cotton, he's been able to give you a sub 2 ERA. Emilio Pagan gives up a few too many home runs, but he's been okay for the team. Joe Smith has seen some regression in. You really don't want any part of, I would say, Caleb Theobars. Right now, he's got a north of 6 ERA, but that said, I do think that the Twins are going to be able to do a solid job around Smeltzer and for Polisak. Just giving up a little bit too much contact in general. The Twins have been very lethal with regards to being able to get guys on base in general, and I do think that this is a total that's a little bit too high. It is still a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Minnesota. I set my total at an 8.7. I think that Smeltzer it's going to be able to land a good start. And Fleasac always does a good job of not walking, guys. So taking a look at this little under animal and take the Twins here on the money line as we go to 915-916 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners at the road face off against the Oakland A's. One Frankie Montas is going to be going for the A's. And Robbie Ray is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. The Mariners find themselves favorites between minus 128 and minus 136. And with Oakland, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 126 with 7 being your total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Set my total at a 6.6. It's been an Oakland A's team that has not been able to generate a lot of offense all season long, but good news for them is that Robbie Ray has been completely overrated because he wound up winning the Cy Young last season, giving up 1.5 home runs per nine innings, a little bit over three walks per nine innings. Now the strikeouts are solid. He gets right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but 425 ERA thus far this season. I was willing to take anything north of a plus 112 on the Oakland A's, and I do think that Frankie Montas is finally going to wind up getting a little bit of luck to go his way. Perhaps that wound up starting in his start against the Cleveland Guardians two starts ago, where the team was able to generate 10 runs from. That, I believe, is the first time since April that the team wound up being able to give him more than three runs of support. I mean, it has been really, really bad. And just the second time all season, he got more than four runs of support. You take a look at this Oakland A's team, and it has been pretty ghastly bad with regard to the lineup as you don't have a single guy that's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Seth Brown currently leads away as he and Sean Murphy, the two guys that have had plus home runs for the team. They're both hitting right around 210 and you take a look at anyone who has been able to provide at least 25 at-bats, nobody hitting above 250 and you've got one guy hitting above a 241 in Chad Pender. So, boy, that has not been too terrific, but you know what was the Seattle Manners? They've been finding themselves below average in terms of their bullpen thus far this season. A lot of the guys that were so instrumental in them being able to win so many games last season. They want to be either being DFA'd or injured. Andres Munoz has not been good this year. He's got north of a four ERA. Paul Seawald has been able to do a solid job right around three ERA. Eric Swanson, who started out the year solid. He's back off the injured list and 
Ken Giles is now getting innings for this team as he's back after he's been injured the last 15 or so seasons. But Diego Casillo, he's posting up a five-year aim for the Oakland A's after their bullpen started out. They were very solid. They have been really slipping back. They're now a bottom 10 team with regards to bullpen ERA. Lou Trevino has been giving up right around an 8-ish ERA. Austin Pruitt, north of a five ERA after a good start to the year. Danny Jimenez went straight down the toilet bowl and he's going to be unavailable for this team. A.J. Puck has been able to do a terrific job along Sam Maul. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-2 ERA but you got Sam Mall, who is currently dealing with a little bit of an injury himself. He is unlikely to be available in this game as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, it has been a little bit of a rough go of it for this offense. They were able to put up eight runs on Tuesday, but they wound up getting shut out four times in their most recent home stand. Ty France, he's been able to do a good job of being able to get on base all season long, though. 320 batting average, he's been able to supply 45 RBI. That has been terrific for the team, but some of the guys at the bottom end, you just need a little bit more out of them. Adam Frazier, Jesse Winker, both of these guys hitting sub. 230 and Eugenio Suarez hitting a 227, but 322 on base, 13 home runs. Then you've got guys like Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro that have not been able to do much all season long. JP Crawford is struggling, but he, Julio Rodriguez, both hitting between about a 270 to a 280. Both of these guys providing a good on base and Rodriguez, 18 stolen bases. So you do have some good firepower there. But that said, I do think that Montas is the better starter in this spot. And I think that it's going to be another low scoring game, even though this is going to be an earlier game out there in Oakland. Merlin Lair is not going to be out since this game is going to be taking place at 12.37 p.m. local time Pacific, so that should help out a little bit, but I still anticipate a little bit of a low-scoring slog, and with being able to get north of a plus-112 here, going to be taking a shot in the Oakland A's here, so taking the 7-under and taking the A's. 9-17-9-18 on the bang bar of the Houston Astros. Made the red face off against the New York Yankees as Jamison Tyon. Going to be going for the Yankees and from Valdez is going to be on the bump for the Astros. The Astros are finding themselves in between a plus 119 and a plus 125 underdog. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, it's anywhere between minus 129 and minus 148.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And with the Yankees, was willing to lay up to a minus 140 with them. So, especially seeing the right around minus 130s, I'm going to be willing to take New York. I mean, this team has been an absolute and utter machine thus far this season. And Jamison Dion, he's done a great job with his command. He is giving up a little bit over one walk per nine innings. Nine walks in 73 and a third innings. To put it this way, he's got nine walks and 13 starts thus far this season. He's also been giving up right around .8 home runs per nine innings. He's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, even with giving up four runs in a start against the Minnesota Twins a few weeks ago. This is a man that has given up just eight earned runs over the course of his last five starts, four walks in that time span as well. Swing and miss stuff has been down. He's only getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but he's been masterful both home and road. 270 ERA, both home and road, so he's been able to do a nice job there. And then you take a look at Framber Valdez, and command is just not necessarily been there for him this season. He's been giving up right around 3.1-ish walks per nine innings. His strikeout numbers, he gets a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings, closer to seven half, but that said, he has given up at least three runs in now three out of his last five starts. You take a look at him on the road, and he's always been a guy that has been a little bit better on the road, and that's really manifested itself this season. 421, Omiri, Buck 61 road ERA. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression there. As opponents starting at 290 off of him at home. Buck 51 on the road. The road batting average should go up. The home batting average should wind up going down. And for the Houston Astros, this has been a bunch. Has played two-thirds of their games this season to the under. And it's been mostly because of their bullpen pitching. You've got two out of the top three bullpens in terms of ERA going at it. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to this Houston Astros bullpen. As Ryan Sanic wanted getting used up yesterday. He's got a 0.75 ERA. Rafael Montero, Brandon Bielek, 
Both of these guys have a sub-2 ERA. Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, these guys have been terrific. And Presley, he's legitimately one of the best closers out there in the big leagues. But certainly, I do think that we're going to see that fall off a little bit. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the New York Yankees. We were talking about this a little bit with our good friend, Dan Zaborski. It has been absolutely amazing to take a look at guys like Clay Holmes, Michael King, be able to put it together as Holmes. A sub-1 ERA thus far this season. Juan Peralta wound up getting hit around a little bit last week, but he still has right around a 250 ERA. Ron Metanaccio has been able to do a solid job as well. Lucas Lukey has had a little bit of a tough season, but I mean, all these guys have really been able to do their part. And for the New York Yankees, entering into yesterday, you wound up having Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo combined for 44 home runs for the season. I believe that Judge wound up going deep yesterday, so that just keeps adding to it. Got a lot of guys doing a solid job of being able to get on base as DJ LeMayu, John Carlos Santon, Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Canerfalefa, Jose Trevino. All in between, I would say about 320 to 345 on bases with Trevino and Kenir Falefa hitting in that pocket of 270 to 275. Been able to get a double-digit amount of formers out of Glaber Torres as well, so that has been rather impressive to take a look at. And for the Astros, you still have the boom squad of this team. Jordan Alvarez, north of a 400 on base, 21 home runs. You've had Michael Brantley continue to be able to get on base, 380 on base, 300 batting average. Kyle Tucker, double-digit amount of bombs. He's hitting at 260. Jose Altuve is hitting at 270. He's been able to give you 13 home runs, but Jeremy Pena being on the fold, that has really hurt this team quite a bit. Probably not going to be available for this series once again as he hasn't played in about two weeks. And then the guys at the bottom, like Chaz McCormick, Jose Siri, the entire catcher spot, Elamendi's Diaz hitting a 220 or lower, that has really hurt the Astros as well. I just think that you've got a little bit more firepower with a Yankees team that has been just so gosh darn special. They have 50 plus wins at this time of the season. It is insane. I do think that both of these starters are going to be able to land a good start. Semi total at 8.3. I'm looking under. And with the Yankees, we want to lay up to a minus 140 with them. And we wrap things up with 919, 920 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox play to the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Kramer is going to be going for the Orioles. And John DeCueto is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are finding themselves anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155 favorites. And for Baltimore, it's anywhere between plus 130. And seeing size plus 145.9 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8. So at a 9, I'm looking under. But with the White Sox, I was willing to lay closer to a minus 187 with them on the run line. If you're taking a look at this, you're going to be finding the White Sox being able to get a relatively solid post price right around plus 125 across the board. I was willing to take them at pretty much even money or better. So I'm going to be looking at the White Sox run line. And a big reason why is that I'm just not buying what Dean Kremer has been selling in his first three starts of the season prior to him coming back for the Baltimore Orioles in his first 17 starts of his career. Team was 3-14 and 14 in them. They won each out of his last two, but I do think that there's going to be negative regression throughout his career. 1.85 home runs per nine innings surrendered. He's got a career ERA that's hovering right around at six. The command is not necessarily there, and he hasn't been able to do it with a lot of swings and misses. 10 punch outs in his first three starts, spanning 15 and a third innings. I do think that the White Sox are going to be able to get to him. Now, White Sox, they always hit left-handed pitching much better than right-handed pitching. They're hitting nearly a 300 against left-handed pitching, but with that said, the White Sox, all of a sudden, they've been able to awaken the bats. They've been able to get to four-plus runs, and now nine out of their last 11 games with Andrew Vaughn hitting a 333. He has been able to do a terrific job 
of moving the line for this team, Luis Robert. He is hitting a 300 as well. I mean, Jose Abreu, ever since a really rough start to the year, he's been able to pick it up, hitting a 330 over the course of his last 30 days. AJ Pollock is hitting above a 300 over his last 30 days. Tim Anderson is back. He's hitting a 360. Now, the default is eluding this team. You don't have a single guy that has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, but you got guys even like a Jake Berger who are able to move the line. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you have been able to have a little bit more consistency with this lineup as you currently have Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Boom Boom Mancini, Austin the Say's kid, all being able to give the team between about a 275 to a 290 batting average. Anthony Santander, along with Mountcastle, have both been able to give the team a double digit amount of homers. But you do take a look at the bottom of the fold Tyler Nevin, Robinson Chirinos, Ode Mateo, Adelie Rushman, Rudad Odor, all these guys hitting at 220 or lower. That is a little bit of an issue. Richie Martin has been able to get on base. And what I will say for the Baltimore Orioles, this has been an absolutely exceptional bullpen this year. I still think that we're going to see a little bit of regression with it because right now you've got, I believe, five different relievers that posted up a two ERA or lower for the year in Dylan Tate, Ore Lopez, CNL Perez, Felix Batista, Nick Vespi. But I mean, still, it has been really remarkable to take a look at there. But I think that Kramer is going to get destroyed. That is going to cause the bullpen to wind up having to work a little bit of overtime. And you take a look at Johnny Cueto. He's not doing anything flashy out there. He's been able to make quite a few starts. He's getting seven-ish strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers right around about a 2.3. He's been posting up right around three ERA. So he's really done his part, giving a plus and a home run per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do in the city of Chicago thus far. And it's actually been significantly worse than on the road. 560 home ERA, buck 08 road ERA. Part of that is because he wound up having to come in very unexpectedly in long relief after there was a little bit of an ailment. I believe it was with Davis Martin. So that one affecting those numbers a little bit. And for the White Sox, you've had Kendall Graveman do a very solid job out there in the bullpen, but dealing with the injury to Liam Hendricks has been hurting this team a little bit. You are able to get a little bit out of Mason Foster, but he wound up getting used up yesterday as well. So a little bit tough for the bullpen, but I do think that Johnny Cueto going to be able to eat up some innings. I do think that we're going to see Ronaldo Lopez do a solid job in that bullpen as well. A guy that is able to give you multiple innings, posting up right around three-ish ERA as well. So I do mind saying my total at 8.8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with the White Sox wanting to take the plus price with them on the run line. And that will wrap things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Beeson Family a Podcast. A big thanks to Dan Zaborski of Fangrass for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.